Thank you, ladies. Okay, let's give an amen for Women's Month. How about that? Okay, and amen for the announcements. How about amen for the Bible? Okay, just, just trying to get us going here since we're a little thinner in our ranks, okay? Uh, because when we look at this chapter, this great chapter in the Bible this morning, Hebrews chapter 11, with a brief introduction from Hebrews chapter 10, there are so many amens in that chapter, it's absolutely unbelievable. And so, uh, as we normally tell you here when we do our Sunday morning sermons, we have a limited amount of time, and so this is really to get you, your appetite whetted, if you wanted to use that phrase. Hopefully, you've already been studying this, but there is so much powerful material and so many great themes in Hebrews chapter 10 and 11. You're going to have to dig in for yourself, but we'll definitely highlight some things for you to be looking for. Now, what we're talking about, obviously, is fix your eyes on Jesus. That's what our theme is for the entire year. And this morning in Hebrews chapter 10 and 11, we're titling this by faith. Now, what happens is you move into chapter 12, the Bible says that we're, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and these are these great men and women of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, since we're surrounded by that, that's our heritage, that's our people, that's how God has worked and set examples for us in the past, it says that we should fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured suffering of the cross, seated at the right hand of God now, and consider him so we don't grow weary or lose heart. And so the, the issue in Hebrews is people who had been Christians for a while were drifting back to their old life and their old sort of religious roots, as it were. They were, they were getting tired, they were getting weary, they were getting distracted, and the book of Hebrews is to call them back. But what is so interesting, with the major focus on Jesus, and you've seen that from chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and even into 10, you know, today, right before we have this dr dramatic uh, concluding couple of chapters, we got a chapter on men and women from the Old Testament. That's interesting. Whole thing is about Jesus, but then they stop for one incredible chapter and a journey, a quick journey through the Old Testament with these great men and women of faith who were supposed to be able to remind us these men and women were just like you and me. And they could go by faith, and they didn't even have the Holy Spirit in them, or Jesus is that kind of inspiration. But the righteous, you see, will live by faith. This sermon really is for all of us, but particularly for those of us who tend from time to time to drift, to grow weary, to lose heart. And for those of you, and maybe there are only a few here this morning, that really long and have a desire in your heart through God's Spirit and through your faith to step out of the crowd and to truly walk by faith and where God can do immeasurably more than what you've ever thought 
or even imagine. But open up your Bible. If you're not, if you haven't opened up by now, you got to open it up, okay? Open your device, open your Bible. We'll have to go through some of these things fairly quickly, okay? And so Hebrews chapter 10, uh, we'll, we'll use this as a runway, okay? We've already talked about it because the themes in the first half of Hebrews chapter 10, Douglas really spoke about last week on the priesthood of Jesus, and Jeff really did a great job in communion bringing us along, okay? And so I'm going to start at the uh, uh, halfway through Hebrews because here, with all of this in mind, the writer of the book of Hebrews says the call of the hour is to persevere, to stick with it, to not give up. And he has some powerful verses, you know, related to this. Since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God. That was our whole theme last year. It continues on as we fix our eyes on Jesus in 2020. Let's draw near to God with a sincere heart and with a full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And then down in, in verse 36, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. And part of that in the verses beforehand, it says we shouldn't get in the habit of not meeting together when the body assembles, you know, because we need to be spurring each other on to love and good deeds. We need each other, but most of all, we need Jesus. And we do need these great examples of faith that will come along here. Now, uh, if we had more time, and I'll just reference a couple of Wednesday nights ago when we talked about some of the foundational doctrines in the book of Hebrews. Because in chapter 5, they, needed to, they, they, they were immature. They needed milk, not solid food, because they had to go over and over again the same elementary teachings that he outlined some of them in Hebrews 6, 1, verses uh, uh, 1 through 3. And he says, you, you know, these are the foundations. And, and they talked about things, faith, belief in God, baptism, the judgment, you know, all of these basic things that you should be, you know, pretty solid on. Well, one of these basic, one of these basic teachings is, you know, as Christianity went through, uh, went along, there are a lot of missteps and mistakes and sins along the way. And in a reaction, an overreaction to try to correct some of the abuses of the Roman church and the drifting after 1,500 years of Christianity with the onset of the printing press and the Bible starting to become more available, you know, to people, people started looking at these things and realizing, wow, we need to shift back, okay, in another direction. And they way overshot and they developed something called Calvinism, which basically among its many tenets is where it's given rise to this notion that you just say a prayer for Christ to come into your life to receive Christ, you know, instead of this full belief, confession, repentance, baptism, faith response to God. And then furthermore, after you do this, that, uh, uh, and here's a quote from, uh, you know, fairly popular church, you know, after you do this, you can never leave God. It's, it's called a doctrine of perseverance, not like the Bible talks about. You can't ever really fall away from God. If you've really made a decision, God will, will keep you. What it means is God will not allow that person to remain in a state of open rebellion the rest of their life. And so then they, the question asks, well, what if a person professes Christ at some time in their life and subsequently falls away, never to be restored, even denying the Lord, is that person saved? Our contention is that person was never saved in the first place. 
And so what happens with this teaching, Ed, it permeates American religion. The vast majority of folks basically kind of accept this without really digging in and looking what the scriptures you know, teach on this thing. What happens, you get this toxic brew. On one hand, on one hand, you, uh, you, you, you are, are taught to believe you just accept Christ, say a prayer for God to come in your life, and then you're set. You can't ever fall away regardless of what you, of what you do. And there are millions of people that think along you know, this line. It's not what the book of Hebrews or the Bible teaches, but it's a strong teaching. And then furthermore, the other half of this is if you, you, people will wonder and be fearful when they're not doing well spiritually or they're sinning and wondering, did I ever become a Christian? Maybe I never became a Christian. And so there's this... this uh, uh, amazing situation where people five, six, seven, 12, 15 times pray for Christ to come into their life because they don't really know if they're saved or not. I've had several conversations with you after our talk on Wednesday night. That's exactly the tradition you came from, and you relate to it very well. Well, we don't want to rain on what other people believe. They have reasons to believe it. They have some kind of line of thinking. But, you know, let's just be really clear. This is not what the Scriptures teach. There can be some nice sentiment involved in here, but it, the, the, these, these two things are definitely not in the Scriptures. What we're reading in Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 26 and 7, if we sin deliberately, keep on sinning after receive the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, only a fearful prospect of judgment and of a raging fire that will consume the enemy's God. And then you know from the, if you're looking in your Bible, it talks about you've insulted the Holy Spirit, you profane the blood of the covenant, etc. And the challenge that is coming out here, it's in chapter 3 and 4, you remember that, about, you know, not hardening your heart so you won't enter into the, his rest. These are after people have become, you know, part of the people of God. And in the New Testament, born again. But he says in Hebrews chapter 10, 35, 36, don't throw away your confidence. You need to persevere. So after you've done the will of God, you will receive what is promised. The challenge on all of this is that God's, some of God's people were tempted to go back, and there's some strong warnings about that. There's also a lot of confidence in the people that if they'll just remember Christ, if they'll just remember their early commitment, they'll be okay. And here we end chapter 10, as we're getting ready to go into specific examples, he says, don't throw away your confidence. In just a little while, Jesus is going to return, and my righteous one will live by faith. I'll take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. That is worthy of an amen. You know if you're sincere, I certainly know it, the temptation through the years to shrink back and to pull back. We're not talking about sinning and messing up and having a bad week or whatever, but, but all the things we've talked about with this hardening of the heart in the book of Hebrews, and the issue is do not shrink back and be destroyed, but walk by faith and be saved. Have a saving relationship with God. Now, some of you, I think, will have to wrestle with this. Because like osmosis, these kind of, of off-kilter teachings from the New Testament sort of get in you and you hear it all the time and it permeates. And this is not meant, you know, to cause a Christian to be shaking and wobbly and not confident of their salvation. That's the opposite if you've been reading the book of Hebrews. And we just noted it in chapter 10, verse 22 and 23. 
But the idea is you have to understand the consequences of this and make sure that you stay on the path. On the narrow road, if you wanted to use Jesus' kind of, you know, vernacular. Well, principles in, uh, in the book of Hebrews chapter, uh, you know, chapter 11. As you read through 11, here are the things you're going to have, you want to notice. Faith always involves the unseen. And then a corollary to this, faith believes what is seen at a distance. And this is what these great men and women of God did. Faith pleases God. Faith empowers flawed heroes. And that's that, the whole book of the Bible, for that matter, other than Jesus, you know, and certainly Hebrews chapter 11. Faith steps out and never looks back. Okay, what is faith? Let's think about it here, you know, for a minute. You know, faith is confidence in the truth of Scripture. Absolutely. There's a, there's a faith once and for all delivered to the saints. Jude chapter, well, there's only one chapter, Jude verse 3. And, and it's also biblical faith is faith in action. The book of James talks about this a lot, particularly in chapter 2. And so there's a confidence and a conviction of truth, and there's also a putting our faith into action. And here's what, if you're reading along at the beginning of Hebrews chapter 11, faith is the confidence we hope for and the assurance of what we don't see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And he uses an example of the creation in the next verse. By faith we understand the universe was formed by God's command so that what is seen was, uh, was not made out of what is invisible. There's a confidence, there's a truth that there is a God behind all of this and we can put our faith and trust in him and he's the one who is the author of all of this. But now we start talking about people, if you're reading along your Bible. And the first one we see is Abel. By faith, Abel brought a better offering than Cain. His faith was commended as righteous and God spoke well of his offerings and by his faith, Abel still speaks, though he were dead. You remember the story, Cain and Abel, brothers. Abel's sacrifice was committed as a sacrifice of faith. What was up with Abel? Abel believed the lie that there are many different ways to go about this. There are many different, different, many different roads. You don't have to do exactly what is prescribed. He believed that lie. He offered what was convenient or made sense to him, and it was not accepted. And that lie continues on. It's called relativism, and it permeates the world, and certainly even within Christianity, you know, that, uh, that, hey, one way is just as good as another. Is that what the Scriptures teach? Okay, you're going to have to wrestle with that one, you know, on your own. Some of us have gotten really clear on this in our study of the Scripture and the help that we've received from others through the years. And then anyway, we go further with these people. By faith, we understand uh, Abel far better. Oh, I got ahead of myself. Well, why not, okay? Uh, Douglas has been wanting to grow in his spiritual life. And he's stepping out in faith, you know, to go to Scotland. And this is a humorous cartoon that Anthony Sisko put together. And as Doug is uh, allegedly thinking about, I want to become more spiritual and be like one of these heroes of the Bible. And so he grows a beard and says, hmm, me likey, okay? And so that's an attempt, you know, at humor. But the, but the idea is... These are real men and women of faith, and you, you just got to do more than just read the Bible, you know, or give a little bit more money, or pray a little bit more, 
or any of these other things, or fast a little bit more occasionally, but to really step out in faith and to walk by faith, not by sight. And the, and the next one we have is Enoch. Enoch was taken from this life, so he didn't experience death. He, and he couldn't be found because God had taken him away. Now, if your Bible is open, you're going to see I'm not doing all of the Scripture on each one of these because of the, the time frames that we have on a Sunday morning. Enoch. There are only two guys in the Bible that we know didn't, didn't die or didn't, didn't go through death. One was Enoch, and you remember a guy named Chariots of Fire? Okay, with Elisha getting caught up and just whoop, getting swooped right up to heaven. This, this is an interesting one, you know, for me. And one of our kingdom kids described it this way. Well, Enoch walked with God and loved God, and they took long walks together. One day, they had walked a long way, and God said, Enoch, we've walked a long way. It's too far for you to get back home. Why don't you just come with me? And that's how a little girl kind of thought about this. But it's this wonderful transition from life into the next phase where we walk with God and we walk right out of this life. And this is one of those examples like what uh, Douglas talked about before. Sometimes God steps outside of his own laws. Did you know that? Sometimes he just says, oh, oh, I'm going to do it different that way. I'm kind of glad about that, aren't you? Because it opens up some possibilities. Not for us to change what the Bible teaches, but to realize God will do whatever God decides he wants to do. Can we get an amen on that? Amen. amen. And you see it in Enoch. And then we go on with Noah. How about Noah? Noah warned things not seen and holy fear built an ark to save his family. And isn't that what we want to do in our families, right? Have our families saved? And not go, go the path of the world, but the path of, of God and Jesus in the Scripture. What happened? It says that by his faith he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness with keeping with faith. Now, Moab, this is, Noah, this is very interesting. He was commanded very specifically what to do as opposed to Abraham where Abraham's commanded to do something. He doesn't know where he's even going. He just goes. In this case, Noah knows what he's got to do. He's got the blueprint. Anybody know how long it took him to, to build the ark? 120 years in the desert, hundreds of miles away from any ocean, with all of his friends and family's friends and for generations laughing at him, mocking at him, but he did what God said, and he was commended, and his family was saved by faith. And you're going to see all of these things are by faith. By faith, you offer the right sacrifice. By faith, you walk with God. By faith, you do what he commands, even though it's crazy. And Abraham, oh my goodness, Abraham was called to a place he would later receive as an inheritance and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. And then Sarah is also committed by faith. Even Sarah, past the childbearing age, we know she was 90 years old, was unable to bear children because she considered God faithful and made who made the promise. And from this one man, and he good as dead, came descendants, numerous as the stars in the sky. Can you get an amen on that? Abraham and Sarah believed, trusted. Did they have their moments of doubt? Did they sometimes laugh? You can imagine some of those bedtime conversations, you know, you know, talking about this is crazy. I can't even believe it. where we go. I don't know where we're going. God just said to keep going. Okay? But all of this is by faith. And the, the book of Hebrews is just so full of these kind of things. And then, of course, you know, God tested Abraham. 
Does that sound right? Does God test us sometimes? Does he? He tested Abraham's obedience and trust. And he was willing to offer his own son as a sacrifice because he reasoned that God could bring him back from the dead. That's, that's a pile of faith, isn't it? That we don't all have right here, but it's where we ascribe to be. Jesus, the ultimate goal, but these great men and women of faith setting such a great example for us. And by the way, Isaac was not chopped liver either because he had to trust as a young man, even when it made no sense to him, you know, at, uh, at all. Sometimes it's nice to think about what's our Isaac? Who's our Isaac? The biggest challenges to our faith are often fear and then are looking at our own resources instead of God's. And let's look to God and Jesus, not to ourselves, because we will stumble every time. Not stumble in the sense of not being right with God or saved, but stumbling in the sense we're not going to see these tremendous blessings of God in our life that go down through generations, okay? Because we're not talking about men and women here who are shrinking back and that are, are, are pulling back, you know, from God and having their hearts hardened. But these are men and women that struggle with these issues of faith, just like you and I do. And then there's Joseph, this ultimate single guy who just whatever he does, it seems to go wrong. But he's trusting in God, and God works in an amazing way. And Moses' parents, hey, let's give it up for the parents. They looked at Moses and said, he's no ordinary child. Do any of you have some children you think are no ordinary child? <laughs> or grandchildren? If you do, you will take steps like this. What are they? Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to help your son or your daughter to grow in Christ, be a man or woman of faith, and most important, to see the best version of us in front of their own, own lives. And then there was Moses. Now we're talking about a decision that men and women have to make throughout the course of your lifetime. When he grew up, he refused. He refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. At some point, you got to want to be known for more than state championship wrestler or state champion basketball player or, you know, I've entered this club, whatever this club is of yours, you know, that you're looking to get into, but where you make a decision, I'm going with God no matter what the cost, no matter what it is. I suffer abuse, you know, people think I'm crazy, I'm giving up promotions or whatever it is. I'm choosing, I'm making a decision by faith. I don't see it, but it's out in the distance, but I believe in God. You know, this is where, these are the things you learn as you read through the book of Hebrews. And now there's faith in leadership. Look at this. God's people had to have some faith in, in leaders because this is some gnarly stuff that they're being asked to do. Walk through the Red Sea while there's these mountains of water on each side. Or go, you know, walk around the walls of Jericho seven times before they fall down. But they trusted in God and they trusted in the leaders that he put, you know, in their life. And uh, I'm going to get some musical accompaniment here in, uh, in just a moment as we continue on. Okay. Um, okay. Let me just suggest something to read. Psalm 73. The psalmist was struggling, but he ultimately said, I can't, I, you know, he said, in vain, have I done all this in vain? But, but he, he realized, I cannot be disloyal or a traitor to God's people. 
And it's amazing. I had a conversation with somebody this week uh, about some uh, friends of ours in a religious tradition. And we mentioned some people who had a Jewish tradition or a, uh, a Roman Catholic tradition. And some of the craziness in the histories of those organizations, you know, even abominable, crazy things. And, and yet the loyalty that people have to their heritage, to their spiritual family, it's really something to consider, you know, because there's a temptation to walk away from your heritage, to walk away, you know, from God's people, to walk away, you know, from what God has put in front of you. But as Jeff said, there is such thing as loyalty and allegiance, you know, to, uh, you know, to God and, you know, and his people. And, uh, you know, I'll try, I'll close out here. You got Rahab and you got this other list. What more can I say? These are notorious people up here. They are flawed people. They made some really dumb decisions in their life. And where are they? In the Hall of Heroes. Because they kept going. They kept moving. They stepped out of the crowd. And that's, you know, just spend time in this great chapter, in Hebrews chapter 11. And if you need encouragement to persevere to not grow weary and not lose heart, amen. But for maybe a handful of you, it's also the encouragement to step out of the crowd, to step out by faith and believe truly that God can do immeasurably more than anything you ask or imagine. Also great scriptures. And as Michael Kadinsky sent me this message Bible, you know, of Ephesians chapter 3, God can do anything, you know. Far more than you can ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He doesn't do it by pushing us around, but by working within us, in his spirit, deeply and gently within us. Glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah and Jesus. Glory down to all generations. Glory through all millennia. Oh, yes! is how the Message Bible, you know, puts that. Hey, church, let's go forward by faith. We got a new year. We got a new decade, and we got the inspiration of Jesus and these great men and women of faith. God bless. Let's stand and let's sing a closing song.